Before we get started, there's something I'm really excited to share with you. It's no secret that we think diversifying your income is incredibly important. One way that we do it is by investing in rental properties. We've done a ton of research, interviewed experts, and invested over $100,000 of our own money in income-producing rental properties. I am proud to announce that we're launching Rental Properties for Passive Investors. It's a course on exactly how you can passively invest in rental properties. Like our podcast, it's incredibly actionable and details exactly how we've both purchased and managed our rental properties. It also includes a year of investable, the analysis tool we use to make sure the rental properties we purchase are actually profitable. Finding the deal is half the battle. You need to know your numbers to make a profitable investment. We're running a pre-sale for $100 off. Head over to listenmoneymatters.com slash REI to learn more. That's listenmoneymatters.com slash REI for $100 off rental properties for passive investors. Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. Shooting deers and drinking beers. That's how I roll. Andrew, I can't. <laughs> uh, I saw that. I saw that on some guy's shirt once, and I just, I like, I just yell it at Anna sometimes, or she'll yell it at me. It's just a joke in our relationship now. I don't actually shoot deer, deers. I do sometimes drink beers, and I know that you also drink beers. So what are you drinking, mm. man? Uh, I am drinking the Lost Abbey Serpent Stout, Ooh. and interestingly. Uh, the the first place we had an Elma meetup was this uh, place called Cork City in Hoboken, and they have Deer Hunter in there. So like occasionally, a beer called Deer Hunter. No, there's a, a video game. Remember the old school video game with oh, the plastic rifles? You mean Buck Hunter? No, it's there's Deer Hunters. One oh, is it called Deer Hunter? Yeah, so I mean, it's you could also shoot like I don't know leopards or all this buffalo, all this like random. But it's one stuff. of those hunting games. Yeah. Okay. And I have at least once shot deer while drinking ah, beer. There you go. Well, hey, I'll make sure to get you that shirt for Christmas. It's really <laughs> yes. tacky. It yeah. looks really stupid, but I'm going to get it for you anyway, and then you're going to have to wear it out of guilt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am just drinking coffee. Pretty cool. good coffee with uh, full cream in there because I don't play around. Mm. And I am noticing that your money tree is looking good. Yeah, yeah, it's doing pretty well. I didn't spritz the leaves, but I think you I didn't? need to. Uh... So I went to Atlanta, and it was like a, I think it was like a five-day trip. And when I mm. left, I had seen, so I had bought the tree, and I had the mature leaves on there, and I had seen like these little sprouts coming up for new leaves, and they were like mm. little tiny baby leaves, and they were so cute. And I, <laughs> they they were growing really slowly, like over, I don't know, it was like two weeks I could see them, but they weren't growing very fast. I went to Atlanta and came back after five days and they are huge now. Oh, dude, like crazy. The, the bulb or the bud or whatever when it's forming. it t- Yeah, it takes forever. Once they pop out, it's like two, three days and they're. I know, right? Yeah, so it's pretty cool. My tree, like the, the leaf part of it is, I think, twice as dense now mm. as it was when I got it. And it's pretty sweet. But we so I don't know what's going on. We've had a really windy past couple of days. And no matter how much I run the humidifiers in the house, like the humidity has been dropping down to 24%, 22%. I was usually able to keep it up to 33% this winter, but it's just been real bad. So I've been spritzing it like three times a day instead of once. And it seems to be doing pretty well. Wine spritzing it, right? Uh, Obviously, yeah. Because (laughs) I I couldn't imagine what other kind of spritzers you'd be doing or having. Yeah, just because it's a tree doesn't mean it doesn't deserve a treat. (laughs) that's right (laughs) one of martin's friends in high school literally did that he he poured root beer in a plant they had they had kept and he was like i'm giving it a treat and killed it of course (laughs) uh so yeah psa kids don't put root beer in your plants they want water (laughs) nothing else (laughs) maybe some fertilizer every once in a while that's it okay so we are talking about something uh, that's quite coincidental for me, actually. So we're, mm. we planned an episode on uh, the scariest 1%, the whole impact of fees on your retirement accounts or your investments accounts, especially over the long term. And so today we're going to talk about 
how fees can affect your long-term gains. We're going to go through a little bit of math. Won't be too bad, but you know, just enough math to be illuminating here and give you the picture on uh, what a fee can do. So we had this episode planned, Andrew. Mm. About an hour before we recorded or started talking today, one of my friends from college texted me and he's like, hey, my mom just texted me and said, I got this money manager here and he says he can help pay off your student loans in like three years. Um, you know, we just need to put some money into an investment account with him. And so that's, he, he sent that to me. That's all he sent me. And he's like, is that, is that legit or is that a scam? And I'm like, I don't have enough information to know if that's legit or a scam, but if somebody's telling you they can make you a huge amount of money really quickly through investments, then it's either a scam you should be or scared. they're going to put you into something really risky. Mm. Like I, I could put a bunch of your money into Bitcoin and you could potentially pay off your loans in three years if Bitcoin <sighs> happens to go to the moon, but uh, it's not currently going to the moon. And it's, you know, for anybody that mm. bought in at 19,000, they're not they're too not, happy they're not right now. They're not having a great time right now. <laughs> I think it's like, what, like 10 <laughs> or 11 right now? Yeah. Um. So I was like, all right. I would, I would probably recommend against this because there's data out there that says 97% of active money managers can't beat index funds. Even without their fees taken into consideration, they can't mm. beat them just on a straight, even playing field. So unless this guy is a complete unicorn, what I'd recommend you do is just put your money into a Vanguard account, you know, total stock market or something like that. Or if you want to you know, do zero thinking, do a betterment right. or a wealth front. And in the back of my head, I was like, you know what? I bet that I bet that who he's talking about is an Edward Jones guy. And oh 20 God. minutes later, my mom says that he's from Edward Jones. Does that ring a bell? Like, oh, yeah, it does ring a bell because my parents used Edward Jones when I was a kid and their returns were horrible. And then I went and looked. Um, a friend of ours has an Edward Jones review on their site and it, it actually lists the fees and for the first quarter million dollars in your account, the fee is 1.35% oh, per year. That's punitive. And that is not including the fees on the investments they put you in. That is their management fee. Okay. Th so, this, is a, this is a perfect lead-in because yes. a 1.3% fee is essentially a penny and a third, like one and a third pennies on every dollar, which is a very small amount. And if I lost... Yeah a penny and a third on on, pro, on every dollar I made, I'm not even sure how much I would really notice, right? And uh, th th I think the problem is that when um, we think and talk about things, like as humans, uh, we, we don't get the difference between linear and exponential. Yeah. And, and so like one of the really cool, I was like trying to find like examples and I have like a bunch of like random examples of stuff, but did you know that, um, so you have this like single egg cell and this single sperm cell and they join together to form a baby. And so that's two cells and over nine months, those two cells become 26 billion cells that also, you know, it's awesome. They form brain and, and a baby comes out. And then from the 26 billion cells to an average adult, an average adult has 1,900, 1,900 times the amount of cells of a baby. So that's 1,900 times wow. 26 billion or 49.4 tera, right? which is apparently a thing, cells. And tera? Like trillion? No, it's it's. There's trillion, quadrillion, quintillion, sextillion, septillion, octillion. This was from a math website. I think it was it was in the algebra section. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't know. It, I'll let it fly. I don't. I don't know what Terry is. Ten to the twelve. Is. Ten to the twelve. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's past. Uh, I I don't even know. Because I don't want to get into math right now. Times twenty six billion. So, but it's still a lot. Yeah. A anyways. Um, like that's that's exponential growth. Like you have two cells, and then they both make two, and then I don't know exactly how the whole thing works, but you can imagine that if every cell duplicated, like over time, that just becomes an enormous amount. Yeah. Um, okay. So so exponential growth is awesome, and uh, this is why you should invest, and why we mm -hmm. spend an outsized amount of time on the podcast talking about investing because it is 
oh so fucking important. It really, it really, really is. It's, so can we do an example of how an exponential growth affects an investment over time? Sure. Okay. So I think you have one ready, right? Yeah. Do you want, do you want me just to like... Uh, yeah, let's go through it. it. Oh, yeah, yeah cool. So me, walk me through it. Imagine... And so this is uh, based on real S&P 500. S&P 500 is like the stock market average. And um, I took the real, real actual returns from 1990 uh, to 2017. And after I did all the math, I realized it was only 28 years and not like 30. But I felt like no one really cared about 1988. And I don't know. I just So it's 28 years, whatever. But the point is, if in 1990, you invested $10,000 into the S&P 500, the most boring, unimaginative investment that you could probably make, in 28 years, uh, you would have just shy of 137. I'm sorry. You'd have one hundred thirty-seven thousand three hundred fifty-nine dollars. It's a lot, and that's so. That is with no additional investment over time. Just the one ten k investment all the way back then, right? That's it. You put it in ten k in nineteen ninety, and you stepped away for twenty-eight years. You come back, you have one hundred thirty-seven thousand dollars. That's on average an eleven point three percent return a year, and this is including two thousand eight when the S and P five hundred lost thirty-seven percent. Mm-hmm. 2000, 2001, 2002, where the market collectively lost 43%. So like the two biggest recessions in, and I guess our general lifetime. Yeah. And I guess there is a good point Um, to make here. Um, Those are only losses if you sell. Exactly. And uh, so you would have have just put your money in 1990, let it ride through the two biggest recessions and over 28 years, your total return would have been a thousand and fifty-eight percent. Like, just pe- people would be—they'd think you're like a god, like you're like the best investor ever. Meanwhile, you just invested a dumb market average. Yeah, you're like the which is which is ironic. The guy who forgot about like the antique Rolex watch in his basement in mint condition from like World War II, and now it's worth oh fifty thousand dollars or something like that. And, and that 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 is how you get rich, right? Yeah. You just invest in dumb, boring things that are consistent, and that's it. And so, awesome, right? Like, uh, you your gains were one hundred and twenty-seven thousand because one hundred thirty-seven minus your ten. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, let's now uh, pretend like you had a one percent fee on that. Yeah. So again, one percent fee, penny on the dollar. You know? Right, one penny for every dollar that you have invested mm-hmm. uh, goes to fees. So what happens is every year um, you you would essentially lose a penny for every dollar. Not a lot of money, um, and uh, it, it's worth noting that it's based on the amount of money you have invested. So if you make money, there's a one percent fee. If you lose money, there's a one percent fee. Just always a one percent fee. Now explain so, that to me if you. If you lose money in a year, so say your your starting balance is ten thousand dollars, and it's a crappy year, so at the end of the year you're at nine thousand dollars, they're still taking one percent off the top of that, right? On essentially a smaller amount because the market's yeah, but they're they're still taking a fee, so it's not like exactly it's not like if you lose money, you know, the investment manager is going to give you back the one percent fee. They're going to take it no matter what happens. Right. And, you know, it, it depends. Like ETFs work different than advisors mm-hmm. who might take a percentage fee. And so it could be quarterly, monthly, daily, whatever. The, the point is up or down, you're losing the money. Yeah. And so if you were to take uh, over that time period, um, based on the, the ups and downs of the market, you would have paid um, $11,000 in fees. So, you know, on the face, you're like, well, I have 137,000. You know, I paid 11,000 in fees, so you you would suspect that you should have like 126 thousand dollars, right? However, uh, the your fees are also exponential, and so so what happens is so the fee uh, grows over time as your money grows, and the thing that people fail to to uh, grasp is that you're now not earning exponentially on the money that you paid in fees. So when you paid $100 in the first year, 1% of your 10,000 or whatever that is, now for 28 years, you're not earning 
an average of 11.3% on that $100. Yeah, because the fee is eating into and, it. Exactly. And so like the, the scary... The scary 1% part is where in the fee-less scenario, you'd have $137,000. In the fee scenario, you would have $105. But if you think of how much money you actually gained, you only gained $95,800. And so you basically, you paid $11,000 in fees, but you lost $31,000. Because there there was less money to grow because of your fee. So like the fee, so, you know, eats in, but it also, it, it stifles the potential of your money. Exactly. And and over 28 years in, in this dumb, simple scenario, you would have lost 24% of your potential gains due to fees, which is insanely high. Yeah. Like imagine, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to find a financial advisor and, uh, you know, they sit you down and they're like, look, we have a really great fee structure and it is just skewed to make sure that you are successful um, and, and uh, it's very fair. Basically, a quarter of everything you make, you just give to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we might talk once a month, once a year. I don't really care. Hopefully we never talk. <laughs> just give me a quarter. You'd, you'd be like, this asshole, like, you'd punch him in the face and you should. But this should, is actually how it works. You might go to jail. Well, yeah, <laughs> we wouldn't advocate you getting arrested. Just make um, a make a character that looks like him in a boxing game, and then punch that person in the face. <laughs> and and so in the example that you're saying with Edward Jones, and I I know they're they're a huge advisor in the U.S. Their percentage fee, and the the point of this episode is not to shit on Edward Jones, although their business model no. is punitive and it essentially takes advantage of people who are not educated on this. Well, look, yeah, we didn't come into this episode wanting to do that, but one point three percent is like even an, higher than it's crazy. There's like an Edward Jones on like there's like three Edward Jones in every small town, it seems. Hmm. So when people when your average person who is not very educated about investing gets it into their head that they want to actually start investing, a lot of times they're going to them because they're your local guy. Hmm. You know? But this is this is what you wanna know here. And actually, so I, I wanna I want to clarify this because something else my friend texted me illuminated something mm. that I thought was obvious, but he didn't realize it because he was like, I, my mom is going to set this up for me. So the investment advisor is not even going to charge me. I guess I'm just going to be able to sort of like mooch off of my parents and get investment, you know, getting investing for free. Mm. I'm like, no, this is not how it works. Just because this guy isn't like saying, all right, hand me $30 for advice doesn't mean he's not charging you. If you put money in there, that money is essentially taxed because yeah. of those fees. So there's there's no way to like quote unquote mooch off of your parents' investment because every dollar you put in there is that the fee is going to be applied to that. And, and think of it like this: say say you don't talk to the guy, or you talk to or the guy or girl once a month, whatever. But you've been listening to this show, you've been reading online, and you are saving like a beast. You optimize your expenses, uh, and you're just adding a lot of money into your savings and investment accounts. Well, guess what? That hard work that you're doing uh, increases the cost of this advisor because their yep. 1% is now a larger amount because of your hard work. So mm-hmm. essentially, I, I don't believe that it is possible for a human to provide exponentially increasing value over, to, yeah. especially not in, in this scenario. So, so that, can, I, that, can that, I just like put out a rule of thumb there? For yeah. this, mm-hmm. because I I want to comment. So this review of Edward Jones has comments on there, and um, Larry gave them like two point five stars out of five. He obviously he's not a big fan of them, mm-hmm. uh, and I also want to point out that like if you want to do inv- individual stocks with them, they take two percent of the invested amount <laughs> from an individual stock buy. So you want to put a thousand bucks in Apple, boom, two percent fee right there that you got to make back off the returns before you see anything. Mm-hmm. But so the first comment on here. At Edward Jones, the planning is what you pay for. A good financial advisor will seek to understand what is important to you. Then they will build a personalized strategy to help you achieve your financial goals and will partner with you throughout your life to keep you on track. Okay, nothing wrong with that statement except for the fact that a a financial advisor should be charging you a fixed amount for their time. They shouldn't be giving you advice now for 1% of your $10,000 portfolio and then 20 years from now taking the same amount of time out of their day but but charging you like, a hundred times more because now your portfolio is bigger. 
like like Shannon from the financial gym. I, I don't know her fees, but regardless, if you're like a multimillionaire or you're just like, I don't know, five and you have like a dollar, like the, the fee is essentially the same because at the end of the day, they're taking their time out to sit with you and so you're going to yeah. pay for their expertise. But that is, an, that is amounted to an, a number of hours that they've calculated mm-hmm. and so you pay for their time, which here's, is reasonable. Here's another good example. Um, multi-channel networks on YouTube. Like they used to be really popular. I think they're sort of their influence is sort of dying now. But what they would do is they'd offer you a certain set of services, but in exchange, you sign a contract where they get a percentage of your advertising earnings. So if you start at 10,000 subscribers, you have, you know, consummate views with that amount of subscribers and channel size, they're going to get X dollars. And then if you work super hard, grow yourself up to 10 million, they're still offering you the same probably not that great amount of services, but now they're taking so much more money. So, mm-hmm. and that actually screws up the incentive structure for them because now their incentive structure is not to help you and spend all the time in their day out focused on you. Now their incentive structure is to get as many people signed up to the system yeah. as possible because they know you're going to care more about your money than they are. So they're just going to sit back and rake in more and more profit if they can get more and more people to sign up. And I wouldn't be surprised if a financial advisor structure where they're they're taking a fee is the same because they know if I get 50 accounts that are all growing on a you know pretty bare bones basic investment strategy, that's going to make me more money in fees than if I spend way more time and effort on this one client. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it begs a question and I'd be like, well, Thomas, um, don't you get what you pay for? And so if I want the best I probably have to pay more for the best. Like someone who I only pay like $20 a month, I can't expect them to do as good a job as someone who, I don't know, makes 10000 a year for me or whatever. And mm-hmm. uh, it, tur- it turns out, um, anyway, we've, we've said as much before, but I think, I think it is better said by Warren Buffett or perhaps like, I don't know, illustrated. Illustrated by him, yeah. So Warren Buffett, first of all, he told his wife and, and his kids that when he dies, they should just invest all of their money in the S&P 500 or, or an equivalent um, just market average. And so yeah, there are all these super brilliant people, uh, many, you know, and, and many run hedge funds. And look, these guys are smart. And they have quite billions of dollars and they have teams of people and enormous amounts of data um, and blah, blah, blah. And so you would think that uh, the really successful ones would do better because they just this, the cards are stacked in their favor. And so Warren Buffett uh, made this million dollar bet with um, this, this company called Protege Partners. And uh, basically they could uh, pick a bunch of different hedge funds uh, or fund of funds and uh, he bet that the S&P 500 will have a higher yearly average return over 10 years than anyone they picked. He didn't care who they picked. Um, he just knows that the uh, S&P 500 is going to do better. And obviously, because we're talking about it, it did. Um, the S&P 500 did an average of 7.1% versus hedge funds doing 2.1%. And a big part of it came down to fees. Mm-hmm. Because... Uh, that's, and that's why these hedge funds are huge and big and successful is because they are taking a large portion of the profits. Yeah. but And I can't remember if I already said this on this episode, but I had read data at some point that said uh, 97% of active money managers can't beat the Oh, index. my God. And, Did I say that, that already? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, that was a point. Yeah, okay. so so that is absolutely the like it's like ninety seven or some extremely high number. And yeah. the thing is, like, it actually doesn't matter how much you pay because statistically, like, you're not going to find the person in that three percent who will beat it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, uh, in that case, you probably do have to pay for their skills. And unless you're in like this top three percent of world wealth and happen to find the person that's taking on clients, you're you're not getting access to that. You're just not. Yeah, I mean, you might. So I guess the the rule here is, I think this is going to be a rule that applies more to people who already have an active money manager. Because if you mm-hmm. don't, then just keep things simple and go to Vanguard or go to Fidelity, get a low cost index fund or go to Wealthfront or, or Betterment or whatever it is. If you already have a money manager, look at his returns or her returns. And if they are stellar and they are outpacing 
the index by mm-hmm. an amount that justifies their fee and have done so for a long period of time, congratulations, you found a unicorn and mm-hmm. you're lucky. Um, Congratulations, but, but maybe they're lying to you because there, there are no, I have not seen unicorn. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, more often than not, you're going to get somebody who can't beat the market. And in that case, you're literally paying fees for lower performance than you could get on your own. And, uh, you know, I think a, a broad, in a broad sense, you know, you're looking to eventually retire or at least plan and save for something. And, would you be okay with, say, 24% less retirement money to, I don't know, mm-hmm. chill 24% less and drink 24% less beer and certainly not go on 100% of the vacations you want to? Yeah. Um, I mean, if you were investing 500 bucks a month from age 25 till retirement, hmm. uh, a 1% fee, like if you didn't have that 1% fee, you could buy a freaking Rolls Royce and, and just pretend that that had been a fee. And you so, know what? You, you can know. just make one smart decision this week and then get that damn Rolls Royce. Yeah. And just thumb it in everyone's face. You still. But OK, so here's the thing. So uh, Edward Jones and and honestly, like we it's not even in our notes. Didn't really plan on shitting on them. But <laughs> it they're was pretty because shitty. of this, the, the, the random coincidental text conversation. Yeah. I wasn't planning on that happening, but. No, we, we've had people email. I actually didn't know Edward Jones existed until people emailed us, and I have not heard a good thing. It's, it's actually, it's kind of sad I wonder if they prey on people. I wonder if they're not popular in New York City. I'm from I, Iowa, I and they're like here. all over the place in Iowa, and I see them in Denver here too, so. Maybe there's more competition here. But, Could uh, be, yeah. Look, gen- generally speaking, uh, things that are fees that are percentage-based uh, are unfounded because you're unlikely to get exponential value yeah. from things. And so if you have a financial advisor that charges that, you should probably punch them in the face gently <laughs> and, and and quit them. Um, but also what you probably don't realize is you have a bunch of funds in your 401k account or things that maybe you invested in yourself uh, unknowingly that have like enormously high fees that are essentially doing what Edward Jones would do to you for an additional monthly fee. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're just skipping the monthly fee. Um, and so, uh, in lieu of going through every fund that exists, uh, what you could do, um, you could sign up for personalcapital.com and there'll be a link in the show notes. If you like flip our faces to the swipe to the right, I guess, um, <laughs> do whatever but the it point takes. is, the, the account, personal capital accounts free. It'll pull in all of your retirement account data and it will analyze the fees for you. And it'll tell you literally how much you will pay every year for, for the glory of owning whatever fund. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that you could then optimize away from fees. And to put things in perspective, you know, uh, there are things that will charge you more than 1% like Edward Jones. And then there are really awesome things like the Vanguard Total Stock Market Fund, which is their their fee and, and everything has a fee. I mean, we'll be real. The, the Total Stock Market Fund fee is 0.05%. So it would it would take what? How many? It's 20 times lower than a 1% fee. Yeah. It's ba- it is the lowest fee. I think actually it's 0.04 for the admiral mm. shares. It's the lowest fee I've ever seen. Obviously, you're never going to get a, a fee that's zero because what would be the incentive yeah. for them to manage your money in the first place? There, there are know? some costs with just running computers to do shit and whatever. I like, guess, okay, here, here's the way you get a zero fee. Um, buy stocks through Robinhood. That's, that's yeah. the only and way I know where there's yourself. literally no fee, but then you're investing in individual stocks and now you're an active money manager and you're not going to mm. beat the index. Have fun. Exactly. I didn't beat the index. Uh, yeah, I made, I mean, I made money in Robin Hood, but I, I got a harsh lesson in the power, uh, the negative power of human psychology and panic sold and made a okay amount of profit on a stock. And then that stock promptly shot up $40 a share after I sold it. So, um, (laughs) it's one of those things you have to make the mistake for yourself to really, uh, and I, I like to think of a pretty rational guy. And I always thought I was I'm going to outthink all these things until I was never able to. <laughs> yeah, and then you don't. So, uh, yeah, you're never going to get a zero fee. But if you can get something as low as that or, you know, even mm. if it's like I think Betterment charges point three percent. 
or 0.35? Uh, 0.25. 0.25. 0.25. That's still not bad at all. Um, now, I will say, like, there's always the disclaimer here that past performance is no indicator of uh, future performance. My betterment has outperformed my Vanguard in the time that I've had both accounts. But that's because I've slid my betterment to as as aggressive as possible. So it has me <laughs> heavily weighted into developing markets and things like that because I'm I'm 26 years old and there's no reason not so, to. But in any case, you know, those are both far below 1%. Yeah, and, and I think it comes down to, uh, like you said, you could pick your own stocks, but I think that there is one... I mean, it's important to diversify, but you're probably look. We talk. We're talking about money every week. We've been doing it for a while together, but neither of us are really qualified to be like stock pickers. You know, we don't do nearly enough work or research there. Mm -hmm. So, it, in lieu of a nominal fee or a low fee, and we will talk about that in a second. You could uh, hire a service, whether it's you know. Betterment, or you know, like the the slew of other things that will help you essentially do the buying for you or the deciding. Yeah, and they're and they're buying broad market things like the S and P five hundred. Mm -hmm. Like the whole the whole idea is that there's there's no magic to it. Uh, they're just you're, they're trying to get you efficiencies, like saving on taxes and shit. Yeah. Now I've got a a question for you that I know a lot of people are going to have, hmm. and that is. Say I've already got a bunch of money locked up in Edward Jones or somewhere else. How do I go about actually getting it out? I think there's mm -hmm. a lot of people out there who they don't know how or they're scared to uh, you know, make their, their financial advisor mad. Maybe they have a personal relationship with them. Maybe even like the guy. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, do you like him enough to let him you know, steal a Rolls Royce from you? So yeah. how do you do that? How do you, you know, move your money from that account to something more sane? with the least amount of um, pain and embarrassment and everything. So uh, I, I've heard it both ways in emails. And and I've actually never, I mean, I, I maybe have uh, poo-pooed people saying that they were with them and, and whatever. But uh, generally we get emails of like how people have like done it. And so you have control of your own money. And so one person just withdrew it all out. Um, and put it from the account that was controlled by, you know, or jointly controlled by Edward Jones into another account. And the guy from Edward Jones never called him and just kind of d transpired as nothing. And uh, there was another one where the guy like literally went in and broke up with him. And it was like you said, someone that he knew and maybe he was managing his uncle's money or whatever. Um, and that sucks. But, uh, you know, like... I don't know. I mean, that, that's, that's how you got to do it, right? It's look. Yeah. If you can't have that hard conversation, but uh, you think it's this guy's worth, you know, forty thousand dollars over the course of your relationship with him, then fine. But the alternative yeah. to the forty thousand is like a thousand. Exactly. I guess, like, say your uncle's a money manager. Mm. Again, you know, if you're with him already, look for stellar performance. If you see it, then you're fine. Don't worry about it. You know, I would pay a 12% fee if somebody was making me 100%. Yeah. That makes total sense to me. But if it doesn't pass that limit, uh, that litmus test, then ask yourself, um, beyond just the emotional thing of, hey, I'm, I'm leaving your services. I'm sorry. I know you've been managing my money. We're in the family, all that kind of stuff. If that person loses one client, meaning you, mm -hmm. if that is such a blow to them, then like how good of a money manager could they possibly be in the first right. place? If yeah. like if losing one client who's part of their family is a huge blow, if they're yeah. actually worth their salt, they, they shouldn't you know care that much. Like obviously they're going to try to keep your business, but they should have a bunch of other clients. Yeah. And you so know? I absolutely agree. And you know, uh, I don't think you're going to really be putting sad. your uncle out on the street if, if you decide <laughs> to go manage your money more intelligently. Well, you know, there was like a, there are a lot of companies that used to make money, like yeah, like I mean, there's a lot of inane fees that have been mm -hmm. slowly going away. Um, yeah, and that's the thing; like competition makes companies better. And if, say, in some crazy world, we had everyone in the world listening to us, and mm -hmm. everyone in the world was like, "Oh my god, I've been getting ripped off for all these years," and they went and they broke up with their financial advisor. 
Um, one of two things would happen. Edward Jones and all the high fee management companies would crash and burn or they would change their business because they would have realized, oh, okay, people are now more educated. I guess we have to do something different. So there was this guy that I, I met in New Orleans and uh, he, he works for an investment firm that, that manages money, especially for like high wealth individuals. And um, back in the day, and this is like before like the internet and all these like efficiencies with computers, when somebody wanted to make a trade in their account, this company would charge them $100 to do this. Jeez. Right? Which is insane. And now like, you're like, oh my God, how could you possibly pay it? And so obviously over time, the you know, and he was explaining to me how the company had essentially shift away from this because mm-hmm. no one would pay a hundred dollars. Like, I want to buy uh, five shares of Apple stock. I have a hundred dollars, and the guy's like, "Cool, that costs a hundred dollars. You have zero shares and zero dollars. <laughs> like, ridiculous." Um, because yeah. you know, there's all these low cost things, and now with Robinhood charging zero dollars per trade, I imagine everything will move to that soon, right? Because it really doesn't mm-hmm. cost them anything to do this. The same way, like. The guy who's sitting there reading off of a script or from a book he got in training on how you should do your money, uh, even though he might not even do it himself, um, is getting paid like an enormous amount of money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Anyways. Point being, don't worry about the feelings of gigantic financial corporations when making your own personal financial decisions because they are not worried about your feelings. Um, Now, obviously, people out there are going to have human relationships with their managers. That's mm. going to be tougher. But again, your money and relationships should be somewhat separate. You know? Yeah. And if, if that relationship is is worth $150,000 in fees to you, then more power to you, man. You really, really, really... Maybe your wife is the financial <laughs> advisor, in which case it's all in the family anyway. Yeah. But I don't think just because you go to church with the dude... You know, you guys are are tight enough that you're willing to give up that amount of cash to him. Mm. So maybe maybe you could ask him, hey, could we go down to a 0.25% annual fee structure? Because if not, I'm leaving. Yeah. You know, it like, just doesn't make just sense. Match maybe he will. Mm. <laughs> could you yeah, could you match this other service? <laughs> if you can, I'm happy to stay with you. Yeah. Or we could um, then talk about like taxless harvesting and shit, but but at least still <laughs> you should be able to get something more reasonable. Exactly. So let's talk about what a tolerable amount of fees is. We've Mm. thrown out a couple of figures already in this episode, but let's kind of like try to make a little chart here. Um, Bar none, if you're paying more than 1% on an account, that's ridiculous. And Mm. and keep in mind, I I think I said this before, but a lot of times if you have a financial manager, the fee that they state, you know, pretty upfront on their literature is their management fee. So say they put you in five different mutual funds, each one of those mutual funds also has its own fee, you know? So if they were charging you 1% and they put you into a fund with Vanguard that was 0.25%, now it's 1.25%. And I mean, the math might be a little bit different because right, right. there's proportions, but it's additionally tacked on. So and keep look, that like, in mind. If you're involved in something as a 1% fee and you, you feel that it is absolutely worth it, email us. And if someone emails mm-hmm. us with something that is worth it, like we'll come on the show, we'll... Well, either in a five question or something, we'll like recant. I, I would be so well, again, surprised. It's, it's going to be a unicorn. Yeah. You know, like, so I, that person could come on the show, but I mean, what, what's, what's the upside of that? Maybe there's a service that they're using, you know, and everyone on the show could get involved with it, but mm. more likely than not, it's going to be a single manager who's got a stellar track record. And the whole Does thing that person is just have time because, to per- give personal attention to, a, you know, 10,000 new people? Yeah. Well, yeah. And here's the thing. So you're with this guy or girl, you know, and it's been like a year, two years, maybe the past two years, right? And they've yeah. been doing good. Well, everyone's doing good. The market's up, whatever. Um, That's true. The, yeah. the litmus test for like getting the, the bang for your buck is long term. Right, because yes. the S and P five hundred, even though through two recessions, you still got a thousand and ninety five percent return. Like, yeah. could someone do that? So, anyways, one percent is extremely high. Yeah, and that was the thing I was trying to tell him because I think he had said like, uh, what did he say? He was like, "Oh, this guy already made my parents twelve thousand dollars." And number one, 
you're not telling me how much they put in. If they put mm. in a million dollars, that's 1.2% return, which is terrible. That's pathetic, yeah. Uh, but the other thing is the stock market has been absolutely insane. I mean, I think my betterment returns were like 20%. Mm. You know, that's not normal. And I bet you over the next five years, it's going to go down. Yeah. Because it averages towards, well, you, we usually say seven. I guess over that period you selected, I was 11. Certainly wasn't 20. Yeah. So if somebody made you a bunch of money this year, everyone made a bunch of money. Congratulations. Exactly. And then, so to, to your point, say, you know, you invested from, I don't know, September of 2015 to October of tw- whatever, just uh, in Google Finance, it's super easy. We even have an article on this. Uh, just compare your returns to the S&P 500 mm-hmm. and it'll tell you which did better. Exactly. And then, yeah. you know what? If this guy or girl has been beating it consistently, then great. Then maybe it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Hmm. Uh, so then like anything going beneath 1%, um, yeah, at least according to you here, 0.4 to, to 0.99 is still pretty high, still pretty excessive. Yeah. See if you can go to that. Between 0.15 and 0.39% is acceptable. That's, that's, that's your normal range. And... Obviously, you can get into things like the Admiral shares, which is the 0.04. That's amazing. But a lot of funds are not going to be like that. So if you want to diversify for personal reasons, say that you want to be invested in um, biotech stocks because you really, you know, you really invested in that kind of stuff intellectually, or you really want to invest in companies that are sustainable or they have a certain ethical, um, you know, code of ethics that they follow, or you really want to get into developing markets because you're willing to take on a little bit more risk to invest in a potentially higher returning area, you're probably going to have fees that are a little bit higher than that 0.04%, which just lazily follows the index. Uh, mm-hmm. So don't, you know, don't look at the total stock market admiral shares as like the benchmark and then expect yeah. everything to be that. But like, uh, you know, the, the, the target retirement accounts, like target retirement 2030, yeah. you know, uh, that generally falls between like 0.15 and 0.39. Like you said, like a lot of, int- we have a betterman's, fund like article of our, our favorites mm-hmm. ones with like low fees, good bang for the buck. They're all within this range, you know, where pushing 0.39 is, is a more actively managed fund. Yeah. Like I think there's one from Vanguard called like the strategic growth, mm-hmm. you know, and they try and find opportunities. Uh, but anyway, so this is a good realm. I wouldn't over optimize in that realm. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, so I, I do have some, um, like this episode is, is bringing things up to, into my mind that I've been ignoring because my retirement accounts are with somebody who is somewhat related to my family. Mm. So I want to go in dun, and like dun, check dun. that yeah. like, oh, I want to make sure those performances are still exceeding the what I, what I could do with my taxable accounts. Well, they were in the past and I want to make sure that's continuing. I think it's worth mentioning is that like, uh, so say – this guy or girl or just in any scenario and they're, and they're doing good, you know, and their fees are generally low. It, it is in addition to what they're investing your money in. So if they invested in, you know, uh, betterment for you and it's 0.25% and they charge 0.25%, <laughs> then technically your fee is 0.5%. If, if I had a money manager and they put my money into betterment, I would be... <laughs> I would be pretty pissed. <laughs> oh, you're in betterment, but now there's double the fee for no reason. So, yeah, I'm gonna look into it. But you know, a lot, the majority of my stuff is in taxable accounts, and I manage it myself. Mm. Uh, but yeah, look at that. So now you know, you know, shoot for fees that are 0.4 percent or below. Mm. You know, based on whatever you want. And if you're looking at a fee that's higher than that, then look at the long-term returns and make sure that it's justified and then just be aware of the possibility that those long-term returns aren't going to hold up into the future. Once you get in, who knows? Yeah. And look, if you're young, you know, uh, you could just invest in the S and P 500, although we'd probably advise something a, a bit more, uh, detail we won't mm-hmm. get into, but the point being is that the Vanguard total stock market fund at 0.05% fees is essentially that. And you will pay basically nothing to be average, yeah. which over the past 28 years was really damn good. Ooh, so I do hmm. want to point out something that uh, can trip people up. Have you ever heard of the Baltimore stockbroker? 
No, that sounds like a, a scam. It is. It's a scam. <laughs> okay, so say I have an email list of 100,000 people. Mm-hmm. So week one, you I do. send an email. I do. Okay, I've got who's counting <laughs> just say i've got an email list of 100,000 mail kemp is yeah they're definitely <laughs> counting and charging me but say i've got 100k on a list uh week one i send 50,000 of them an email saying that this stock is going to go up and then week on the same week i send the other 50,000 an email saying this stock is going to go down you should short it the same stock the same stock so mm-hmm. no matter what happens 50% of those people are going to say, oh, he was right. So mm. after that happens, I take the, the 50% I was wrong and I throw their email addresses away. I don't need them anymore. I was wrong. And I continue to do that over a course of 10 weeks. So every single time I do this, my list size decreases by 50%. So I'm 25,000 on week two. But you're being 12, consistently 5. correct. But after 10 weeks, there is a small group of people who are like, this guy picked the right stock every single time for 10 weeks. He mm. is a genius. And so I take that group. Let's just say that it's uh, um, 500 people because I don't know the math. for. I'm not doing the divisions in my head quickly enough. Right, right. But I've got 500 people and I'm like, all right, I was right that many times. Are you ready to invest with me? Send me 100 grand. All of those people are going to send me a crap ton of money because I am a savant genius genie who can predict <laughs> the future, right? Except yeah. for I'm not. I just exploited the law of large numbers and I exploited an information imbalance. So a lot of times what these mutual fund companies will do is they will have a bunch of mutual funds they generate in an incubation period for, say, 10 years. Mm. Most of them are dog shit and they never perform well. But occasionally, because of the law of large numbers, due to blind luck, one or two of those funds performed super well over that 10-year period. Not mm. because they were amazing, but because they were essentially running Monte Carlo simulations with a zillion different... We, we don't know that there was 100 that got deleted yeah. and one resulted. Nine, yeah. nine out of 10 funds that any fund company makes die after before they make it out of the incubation period before you're able to invest in them so that way they can be like look at these funds we offer and look at their 10-year <laughs> performance they're so good i never thought about that way. i'm sure it works like that that's that's exactly how they do it i can't i think the book uh how not to be wrong talks about it mm. and so you're gonna look at that you're gonna be like wow those long-term gains are pretty damn good wow a decade of amazing returns i'm gonna invest in that but what you're investing in is you know just the survivor bias blind luck funds that just happened to do well, not because they were geniuses, but because they just tried a bunch of things. And these are the ones that happened to work. So even if you think, wow, this person is a unicorn, there could be a whole little Baltimore stockbroker thing going on there. They're just showing you the things that happen to work. Hmm. You know, they're, they're not a genius. So keep that in mind. And, you know, nine times out of 10, I honestly think the things that we recommend while boring are the best way to go about it. You know, uh, and for what it's worth, maybe maybe your investments should be generally boring. I think it's, so. It's easier. Yeah. The, the math, the I mean, the history of performance is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so okay. So to tie a bow on this, I just want to, uh, and I think we talked about most of these like ways that you could avoid fees, but I want to make sure we like tie a bow on it. Um, so. Personal capital is a fee analyzer tool. You can pump your stuff in there. It'll show you what your fees are. You can get really angry and then take action. Um, and where you're likely to see the fees are in your 401k. Yeah. Um, and so oftentimes, maybe there's like 10, 20 options in your 401k. And I don't know if they're pl- picked up blind random or they find the least qualified person to choose the funds, but they're often not that great. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's up to you to kind of find the least worst and put your money in there. Yeah. Um, what you really need to worry about are uh, 401ks from old employers. Um, one, because mm. the, the fees or the funds in these 401ks generally have five high fees anyways, because you have a limited choice and this is how the 401k providers make money. But also when you, when you're a part of the company there, it's just it's almost like free to manage your 401k. But when you leave, the 401k company often charges an administrative fee ah, yep. on top of the funds 
that are often from their own company. Mm -hmm. So because of this uh, administrative fee, it often pushes uh, your fee well above 1%, like maybe yeah. closer to 2%. Which and so insane. while you know you could exp you could go over all of the reasons for rollovers and buying whatever investments you want like do it at least to avoid the fees yeah yeah exactly uh and you can roll your 401k's over i think we have a couple of episodes on that and there's like strategic mm -hmm. rollover plans uh, if you wanted to like switch from a roth to a traditional or or vice versa i think we have like stuff at the mad scientist right yeah, we'll, we'll link to all that cool stuff so you can kind of dig deeper. I guess like cool. on the on our faces, swipe right. We got all the links in there. Yeah. We got you back. The last thing that I want to mention, I don't know mm -hmm. if you have anything else, uh, is that there are also other fees a lot of times. So mm -hmm. you've got your, you know, your traditional management fee if you're dealing with that. But a lot of times there's fees for just little things that can just nickel and dime you. So... Whatever you're invested in, do your homework and read the documentation, read the contracts you're signing in the terms of agreement, because you're going to see fee structures buried in there that they kind of want you to skip over. Mm. You know, maybe it's like, oh, I want to move some money from this mutual fund to this mutual fund. Okay, there's like a 5% fee on that or something like that. So just keep yourself educated. Information imbalances are where most of the money in financial markets are made. I think. Yeah. And, and look, it's like you take a Saturday or something or just one day or, you know, a day at work when it's slow, do, do the, the, the fun moves, whatever, and you're done yeah. and then you're fine. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, uh, all of this stuff is going to be in our show notes. We'll have a well-formatted article with links to other resources and math for the nerds out there. Uh, and if you want to find that, you can go to listenmoneymatters.com slash show. Or if you're listening to this in Apple podcasts or pocket casts, you can hit our face or swipe up. Uh, the one thing I realized, Andrew, is that now that my podcast is on Spotify within Spotify, there's no way to see the show notes. Really? And there's also no way to click over to the website from Spotify. Like they keep you in the app. So mm. we got to make sure we say, cause well, listen, money matters is not yet in Spotify, but right. I hopefully it will be soon. So I think we got to say listenmoneymatters.com slash show so people can yes. go to it and check out the additional resources. I think they're going to be very helpful for you guys. Uh, also, at speaking of resources, you can find all of our highest recommended stuff, tools that we recommend, books that we recommend as well. All that stuff is at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. So check that out if you have a free moment. Thanks for listening. And we will see you as always in the next episode. Later, man. Later, dude. Please tell your friends about this show. <laughs>